This week's episode of our podcast is a little different. Yesterday's service, which would have been the second Sunday of Advent, was canceled due to weather, but we are posting this recording of the sermon that would have been given last night. Before you hear the sermon, you'll hear me read the passage for the week, followed by this week's pastoral prayer from Austin Church. There's no substitute for our gathering and being in the same room together as a family, but we hope that this prayer and sermon can help us keep in step as a community as we move deeper into the season of Advent. So here we go. Our reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm Austin Church, one of the shepherds here at All Souls. Please pray with me. Triune God. Loving Father, Son who is with us, Spirit most holy who indwells and comforts, guides and protects us, three in one, we love calling you by your name, Emmanuel, God with us. May our hearts be wombs like Mary's. May you find us fertile with anticipation of your coming. May our words give you a claim like the angels on that night millennia ago in the desert when they cried their praise. We wait. We live in this in-between time where we experience reverberations of your first coming and longings for your second coming. Are you ever going to come again? We know that the scriptures say the Lord is slow so that more may come to repentance. But as we look around and see calamity and corruption, wildfires and persecution, greed and grafting, 
evil seems to flourish everywhere. Where are you? Why aren't you coming? Come, please come. We are like women groaning in the pains of childbirth. Do you also return to this world through us? Do we help to bring your advent to the people we meet, the poor and poor in spirit, the downtrodden and overwhelmed? We wait for you. We wait for you to eradicate cancer forever. We wait for you to wipe away every tear forever. We pine for peace. We crave the ultimate end of strife and hatred and walls to shut people out and words that shut people up and systems that cause people to perish and the kingdom of darkness to swell. Holy child, son begotten not made, we do not understand your perfect will, your perfect timing, your perfect love. We do not understand why you wait, yet we wait for you. Tonight, we tell you that despite our great uncertainty, despite our deconstructing and reconstructing faith, despite the chorus of other voices saying you don't come because you don't care, we affirm that you are God. Only you know how to lead us to true prospering. Only you can save and heal us. Only you are God. You who chose a virgin and you who chose a manger and a stable and you who chose the most inauspicious birth imaginable, going from the sea of praise of the heavenly host to the mute watching and rustling of beasts, you who chose such fragility, such vulnerability, doer of impossible joys, we wait for you. We believe in your first advent and we await your second. These two advents are the defining reality of our lives. Amidst the tumult and the pulsing of vanity and the vacuity in our world, may your light break forth as glorious dawn. King Jesus, we wait for you. We will wait always until the end of time. Amen. Well, welcome to the second week of Advent, All Souls, friends, and family. Uh, as you know, we were closed last night due to, to weather. Uh, that means we rescheduled those congregational meetings on uh, where we are with our property search. We'll we'll have them in January, and we'll get back to you on dates. Just uh, uh, when we do, please try to be able to come to that. We've been working hard for a year and a half, looking at a lot of things, and uh, really want you to become a part of this family conversation. So more on that later. Also, next week, uh, we'll celebrate the third Sunday of Advent with a special family worship night at the Change Center. Uh, the Change Center is one of our 10 to the City ministry partners, 
Uh, it's located on the campus of Overcoming Believers Church, <laughs> and you're going to love it. It is a safe, fun place for young people to recreate, meet with mentors, work, be trained for the workforce. Uh, there's a skating rink, climbing wall, all sorts of things. We're, we're going to actually have a worship service with the whole family all together on the rink, and then there'll be dinner uh, afterwards. And I, I, there's a rumor that we'll be able to do some roller skating too. So uh, no service at Four Marcus Square next week. Well, this Advent, we are talking about waiting on God in a liminal space. And one of the things that uh, Matt and I have been talking about, and I appreciate Matt helping us put this up in the podcast, is we wanted to uh, try to stay together here virtually, uh, even though we weren't able to gather last night. And so uh, we're trying to keep walking through Advent um, together. And so I'm thankful that you were able to tune into this podcast Advent uh, is a time of waiting, and we've specifically been asking, by looking at the Christmas story, um, what does it look like for these characters to wait on God in a liminal space? And that word liminal space uh, may be new to you. It's something that uh, I'm reading a lot about lately. I pulled two definitions uh, this week. A liminal space is a period in which something, social hierarchy, culture, belief, tradition, identity, etc., has been dissolved and a new thing has not yet emerged to take its place. It's that period of uncertainty, ambiguity, restlessness, fear, discomfort, and anguish. It's the space between when a trapeze artist lets go of one swing and doesn't yet know whether she'll be able to reach the other swing. Here's uh, another writer describing liminal space. He says, it's a unique spiritual position where human beings hate to be, but where the biblical God is always leading them. It's when you have left the tried and true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It's when you are finally out of the way. It's when you are in between your old comfort zone and any possible new answer. It's no fun. Well, last week we followed Zachariah and Elizabeth into their liminal space, that gap that exists between desire and fulfillment. And this week we want to go ahead and, and look at Mary's story and explore the liminal space that we enter uh, when God is in the process of birthing vision in us. How do you wait on God as your discerning vision? How do you wait on God for vision? How do you wait on God when you're not exactly sure how the vision he has given you will play out? Well, here's one definition of a vision that I read this week. A vision is a picture of what you feel God wants you to do with the next phase of your life or your organization, church, or ministry. Do you have a vision do you have a picture of what you feel God wants you to do with the next phase of your life or organization? Uh, that's an important question because uh, the vision that you have uh, is really what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's what gives you passion and, and hope. It helps you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Vision matters. So, this wonderful story that we're going to read this morning about uh, Mary and the angel is, among many things, uh, a picture of, of a young woman uh, receiving God's vision for her life. So let's, let's walk with Mary a little bit and see what it looks like for her 
to wait on God in this liminal space. In the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So our story starts with a, with a young Jewish woman, and God sends an angel, Gabriel, to share a message with her. And the Greek word for angel uh, literally means messenger. And the messenger reveals, at least in part, God's vision for Mary's life. And of course, this is a, a beautiful story filled with theological truth. There's many things in here that will never be uh, happening again. But it's also a model, a paradigm, a template uh, that reveals something about God's ways with people. And one of the things that we see here is that God is a God who has messages for his people. And he wants to reveal his plans and purposes and will for his people. He wants to show us where we fit into this ongoing project he's begun of healing the world. And if you just had to step back today and take a piece of paper, um, could you describe in any way your role in that plan? That's what a vision is. Now, sometimes God uh, does reveal his vision in a dramatic way, like he does with Mary, and uh, I don't think we should make a joke about that. Um, I do think he still ministers to people that way. I, I know and have had once or twice myself powerful encounters with the numinous, with the holy, with the other, that can be terrifying and can result in vision. Um, but there are other ways as well. Uh, sometimes we discern God's vision. The, the messenger can be Scripture. Uh, the message can come through prayer. The message can come when we are maybe on a mission trip or serving somewhere and our hearts begin to break over a particular need. Uh, talk to Scott and Jill Branson sometime about a mission trip in Vancouver that birthed a vision that uh, really changed their life forever. Uh, you know, I mentioned I do a good deal of spiritual direction with people, and a lot of it is helping them pay attention to God's vision for their life. So God, maybe that's where we could start from this story as we think about waiting on God in liminal spaces. God wants you to have a vision. He has a messenger and a message for you, too. Well, let's read on this familiar story. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The first thing that happens when the angel comes, understandably, is that she's greatly troubled. And, uh, of course, that could just mean she was very upset uh, just being in the presence of such a holy figure. But I also think this has something to teach us about what happens when God begins to give us vision. Sometimes it can be really troubling. Uh, it can be unsettling. It can uh, put us at dis-ease. Maybe you've already got a plan for your life, and God is upending it. Or maybe God is putting something on your heart to do that you hadn't thought of before that scares you. That can be greatly troubling. 
And I, I think we need to say that not all anxiety is bad. There is a kind of holy anxiety, a spiritual uneasiness that signals that God is at work in our hearts. So if you're feeling troubled as you listen to this, troubled in your spirit, maybe even greatly troubled, um, one of the reasons could be that God is birthing vision in you. Well, then Mary, it says, begins to discern what the angel is saying. The Greek word means to have a dialogue, to look at from all sides, to debate. And I think that's a, an important principle as well. When, when we have a powerful encounter with God, when the angel starts to speak, when we start to receive the message, there needs to be a period of discernment to to figure out just what is God saying? How do I respond? Is this really God? Uh, a lot of times vision, I find, is like a seed that is planted, and within the seed is a mature tree, but at the beginning you don't see all of that. A lot of times uh, it takes a while to discern just what God is calling us into. Um I think it's important, too, to, to remember when you have a powerful encounter like this, not just to immediately think you understand what God wants you to do. Uh, take time for some discernment, for some dialogue, both with God and uh, perhaps with some wise friends as well. I've seen some people make some bad mistakes in their life when they've uh, had, a, had what they felt was a leading from God but they skipped the discernment step and went right off in the wrong direction. Well, in verses 30 to 33, the angel sketches out the contour of uh, what this vision will be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, if you're a Christian uh, and you've read these scriptures before, uh, those are beautiful words, uh, comforting words. Uh, Mary will bear a son. His name will be Jesus. He'll be called Son of the Most High. He'll reign on David's throne forever. Uh, if you've read the New Testament, if you've seen how the church has interpreted this for 2,000 years, you kind of know what it means, and it's, it's very beautiful. But remember, Mary really had no idea uh, what this would have meant. Jewish girls were not trained in Scripture in the synagogue. She wouldn't have picked up on the quotes from the Psalms and Isaiah and Samuel. Uh, the vision is vague at best. There's no detail in there about the cross or the resurrection or the nature of the inbreaking kingdom of God. Again, the vision is like a, a seed. It holds all the future tree in it, but it's just kind of tiny and unformed. And I think that's another reason why we need to wait on God for for vision and, and for the unfolding of vision, he, it doesn't seem to be his way to uh, explain everything on the front end, to tell us how it's all going to work out. And you shouldn't be discouraged if God's put something on your heart and you've been waiting for him to fill it out, 
and and you still lack a lot of the details. It's actually the way vision works. Uh, as I was preparing this, um, uh, I went back into my library and pulled out a journal of mine from uh, the spring of 2001, and that was a, a time of uh, great transition in my life. And I just went back and I was reading this journal, and, and it was uh, uh, some very interesting words about my fears, um, about my hopes, about some of the things that were uh, emerging. Uh, one entry says, Some ideas are, are percolating around in me with regard to my calling, though many pieces are left undone. Uh, there's even a, uh, a picture that I drew uh, and I've shared this with you before if you've been around for a while. I was in the Maryville College graveyard, and uh, I, I had a, one of two visions I've ever had in my life, and it was of my name in the graveyard um, with Jeremiah 29.7 uh, underneath it. And that was the moment when I realized I was supposed to devote the rest of my life to seeking the peace of the city. But at the time, I was pastoring another church. I had no idea uh, how that would work out. And, and to be honest, there's still many pieces of, of that vision that I'm still asking the Lord what it would look like for it to work out. I actually think that's the life of faith. Uh, it's coming and trusting that God will fill out the rest of the details. Well, Mary responds in verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary lacks the resources to fulfill the vision. She cannot conceive. She's a virgin. And so she asks. Uh, I don't think this is disingenuous at all. She's, uh, now, how, how can this be? I, can't, I don't have the resources to do this. Any true vision that God gives you, anything God truly calls you to do, uh, anytime you're waiting on God in the midst of a vision, uh, there will come a point where you ask, how, how can this be? Um, I, I don't have what it takes to do this. I don't have the resources to do this. I think this is one of the ways God awakens our faith. He wants us to trust him, to depend on him. He gives us kingdom assignments that we lack the resources to fulfill so that we get into that posture of, I I just don't see how this is this is going to work. So friend, don't don't rule out a possible vision for your life because you lack the resources to do it. I mean, I'm not saying we should be foolish. There are some things that we shouldn't do because there there are simply uh, we we look at the budget and we just can't afford to do it. I get all of that. But if God recurringly puts something on your heart, and it keeps coming back again and again, don't just say no because it's too hard. Don't say no because it seems impossible. Mary shows a better response. God, how can this be? Well, verse 35, the angel says, And, and the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So there's, the angel shares a beautiful picture there of the Holy Spirit like a, like a mother bird hovering, uh, giving birth, brooding over her chicks. It's probably meant to remind us of Genesis 1 where God's Spirit hovers over the chaos as, uh, as, as she, he brings life out of that chaos. And I, I love that picture because at some point, uh, on your vision quest, if you truly respond to God, and you get to the point where you realize, I don't have the resources to make this happen, uh, there will be a moment when the Holy Spirit has to hover over you, hover over your team, hover over your church or or, or, or uh, office, and uh, bring life out of chaos. There's no way around it. God's visions need God's power to be accomplished. So don't be discouraged if in your waiting on God you've gotten to a place where the vision he's always given you seems um, like it's never going to be accomplished. Uh, Just cry out for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to hover and brood and uh, flap her wings and um, rest upon you and bring life out of chaos. Well, Mary's response to the angel is, of course, one for the ages. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's go back to that definition of vision A vision is a picture of what you feel God wants you to do with the next phase of your life or your organization, church, or ministry. So I want you to think about what your vision is, what you sense God is calling you to do. And remember, it doesn't have to be epic. Uh, It doesn't have to be something people will write books about. And sometimes, you know, we have a couple of a couple of visions going on in our life. Maybe one regarding caring for a family member, and another regarding our our work. Another regarding some of the the ministry we do in the city. It doesn't necessarily have to be one grand thing. But I want you to go back and think just for a moment: What is God's vision for my life? What is he calling me to do with the next phase of my life? And odds are there's one step you can take uh, towards that. There's one thing before you that you can choose today to move there. And the best response you can make to that is the response that Mary gave. Be it done to me according to your word. Well, Father, we we thank you so much for a chance to be together, even through technology. Uh, I truly wish we were all together to go to the table now, but we can't do that through technology. Lord, I, I pray the second week of Advent as we wait on you in this liminal space, uh, that we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't be impatient or frustrated, that those of us that are waiting for a vision— during this Advent season, would uh, 
be able to get quiet enough to to hear and see the vision that you're you're giving them. And those of us that are waiting for maybe some revelation about the next step in executing a vision, that we'd be patient too, and that this Advent would be a time of, of even retreat where you come along and show the next steps. And may our uh, hearts as people in this church be like the heart of Mary. Be it done to us according to your word.